Lowry Podcast, show about nothing and everything, powered by the amazing Roadcaster Pro. Uh, guess uh, be transparent. <sighs> Haven't really been feeling like stacks lately, so uh, just be Jordan today. Uh, hit you with a light intro. Uh, you know I always like to. Come in on a jumping off topic uh, Guess today I would have posed the question How many of you out there um, Homeowners or You know Even renters I guess uh, Male Does male give you anxiety Male I've reached a point in my life Male gives me terrible anxiety uh, Just because I know there's never anything good In the mailbox it's never anything good. It's never anything good in the mailbox. When you're going to get the mail uh, week after week, it's nothing good in there. It's going to be some crap, some ads, and anything in there with your name on it, usually somebody requesting money from you or telling them you that you owe them money or that you're going to owe them money or for a nominal fee, they can do this for you. Either way, the only things you find in mail are Trash and expenses It's really it In the internet age Nobody's writing letters anymore Packages get brought straight to you You're, You can physically look at Where your packages are There's no more surprises In the mail Positive surprises at least When I was growing up I remember there used to be Positive surprises in the mail I used to wait Every time I ordered something I'm you know Waiting Borderline harassing the mailman I'm excited Did the mail come today mom Let's check the mail You don't check the mail every day And here I am at 30 years old Getting the mail once a week At the end of the week Not being too happy about it Came back from the gym Got the mail And I came in here got on the cast instead Didn't feel like looking through it I saw some things addressed to me from MDOT Wasn't really trying to read it. I mean, I will when I go back upstairs, but I mean, it's a dead giveaway. An envelope has your name on it and says return service requested. Means they want money. Uh, but yeah, moving on, man. Uh, I don't know. My uh, my good brother, my co-host in this uh, in this radio shit, man. I'm heard him once say, uh. You can pick apart people on the radio. You can say all these things, but you got to be vulnerable at the same time. You know, you got to you got to put something out there and be real. Otherwise, you're just a just a guy just laughing and judging other people. You know, and I don't judge people. I mean, let's be honest, I do, but only when it's funny. Never seriously. Never on a on a serious note, but. 
you know, you're going to be on these airwaves laughing and, and giving opinions and breaking stuff down. Uh, you got to be honest too. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta put some of yourself out there. And you know, I'm typically a guy that I don't do no shit like that. I didn't really believe in it. I don't really do no shit like that. I mean, but you know, let's be honest. This is just, just the SLP, just the Stacks Lowry podcast. And to y'all, to the few people out there that do listen, man, I want to say I appreciate you. Definitely appreciate you. Uh, I'm an artist of a lot of different mediums, but unfortunately, I'm kind of a sensitive artist. Sensitive about my shit. Shit I paint, shit I draw, shit I produce. When I used to rap, you know, everything. Sensitive about my shit. I can take constructive criticism. I love constructive criticism because it, it helps you be better. You know, for somebody to levy you constructive criticism, it's them saying, I can see it. You know, I can see you being better. I could see you doing better. Uh, that's why I'm saying these things that you may not want to hear. Because just from what you've showed me here, I, I feel like I can get more. I feel like I can, you can do more or you can do better. Uh, so I've always been a fan of constructive criticism. But I don't know judgment I just always wasn't really a fan of that you put your shit out there uh, to kind of be judged and those of you that aren't creatives you know it's easy to be a critic people that aren't creatives are critics it's easy to be a critic critics are worthless they're worthless I mean they're nothing better a critic is nothing more than a person who specializes in guessing what a bunch of other people would say I'm going to listen to this or I'm going to watch this or whatever and then my response to you there's going to be a calm, uh, 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 a combination of what I think others would say. Seeing this, that's what critic. That's that's what critic does for you. Critics, I mean, it's easy to be a critic. It's torture to be a creative. You know what it really takes to create. You see paintings and you're just like, man, this is this is cool, I guess. But you mean, what do you mean? You guess. You know what it. You know what that person had to do to put to to. to Get that on canvas How long it takes The attention to detail The effort That motherfucker was blank There was nothing on it It was empty Wasn't a color A pencil Wasn't wasn't shit on it Wasn't shit on it And now it's something So if you can't take nothing Or a bunch of Assorted things And turn it into something What's your opinion really worth? You're a mouth breather. What's your opinion really worth? I don't know. I didn't mean to get off topic, but it's just how I feel. And I don't want to be viewed as that. I don't want to be viewed as a critic, uh, a guy that can just judge the merit of others, but A, has no merit himself, and B, uh, won't even put himself kind of out there to be judged in any type of fashion. So, you know, as opposed to Hitting some pack, playing my game or something, and you know, just riding the wave out. Uh, get on this here roadcaster, man, and uh, talk about some of the shit going on in my mind today. I guess. Uh, yesterday, uh, finally ran into a, a a good homie of mine, a brother, really. I call him my brother. When we used to go out, he would always call me his little bro. He was, and he's, um. Through complicated family, through a complicated family tie tree. I mean, you know, we're not related per se, but the, the nigga basically is my brother. Uh, 
the guy I kind of looked up to in the on the later the twilight years of my teen teen years. Uh, exposed me to a lot. Uh, showed me a lot. Uh, exposed me to a lot. And um, called up with him today. Called up with him the other day, man. And it was great seeing him. Uh, great seeing him. Guy's doing amazing for himself. Um, absolutely amazing for himself. And I'm, I'm, I want to start on that part because I can't say that enough, man. Guy's doing amazing, and it makes me really break down um, the idea of jealousy with people you care about. People you genuinely fuck with People you genuinely care about Or people that you know genuinely fuck with you Or care about you uh, I don't see I never understood the jealousy aspect of it I never understood how you can be jealous Of somebody who cares Genuinely cares about you Or fucks with you uh, I, I never I, I never got that man My man is he, He's doing it man Pulled up in the new S S550 I mean that motherfucker was cold man that shit looked like a rapper's car. Felt like I was getting in LeBron James's car, man. That motherfucker was so cold. Shit had a sky cam on it, man. I said, Hi. I said, he's backing up. I said, man, is that a sky view? It was a camera view on the screen uh, as if you were looking down. And it had the curb and cars next to him. And st- it was like an actual view from above the car. And I, it, I was blown. Do they have a satellite uh, trained on each unit? What? How is this car showing you a sky cam right now? It's a fucking sky cam. Craziest, craziest thing I ever seen, man. The joint turned on. It sounded like it was a. Uh, didn't even hear it turn on, man. It just scooted. I think it might have been. It might be a hybrid joint. I don't know. That motherfucker scooted out the parking spot. I was like, you turn this bitch on? God damn. But. Uh, point was uh, This is the guy I've watched come Such a long way man Such a long way I mean at one point in time uh, He didn't have much anything to his name And was sleeping in the basement at When I was living with my mom He was living with me Me, me and my mom and my sister uh, Sleeping in the basement You know It's almost like It's almost like uh a Tony, it's almost like the Scarface story, but instead of in, instead of Haiti, it was Detroit, and instead of cocaine, it was the technology game, you know. <laughs> and I mean, and he's not even the only one, man. There's other contacts that are doing well, but it's one of them things where I double back to my point when I say I'll never understand how you can be jealous. Of people that you care about doing well Because I never I mean I'm I'm over the moon I mean honestly Like this is not even no fake shit Like I'm uh, I'm I To the point I brag on this nigga man Like that's how That's how crazy it is The stuff he's doing But it also Makes me self reflect And I guess maybe that's where I break from some people Where some people see What's going on with other people And they get jealous I don't know. I just never did that. I see what's going on with people, and it makes me look at myself, and I get disappointed in myself as to how little I'm doing. You know, and I think that's the problem with some people. People don't know how to process that emotion. People don't like to be honest with themselves. They don't like to reflect on themselves and understand that, yo, you, it's, it's no, some people just are just terrible people and do have malicious feelings to these people close to them. Let's just be honest. 
But other people, they don't recognize that it's not any malice or anything you're feeling towards that person. It's towards yourself. You're coming face to face with somebody who is doing more than you, who is outworking you, and you feel inferior. You feel inferior. And it's not, you know, in, in, in the fact that you feel inferior is your own fault. The whole thing has everything to do with you and nothing to do with the other person. And I say that to say, man, I had one of them, I just had one of them, them self-reflecting moments where, you know, you feel inferior. And it's not, not because of the material things, not because of the material things at all, but just because, man, it's like, I, asp- I aspire to that. I aspire to be a guy who's shaking and baking like that, who's just doing something, just doing something, just making it happen on, on some type of front, just making it happen, just making it happen, man. On some type of front And I mean this kind of goes back It goes back years to uh, when You know When I got out of high school uh, You know I'm not going to go into too much detail here But uh, I didn't really have a plan Didn't really have a collegiate thing uh, My dad put me on with this program That uh, basically You know to, to, to dumb it down To an asinine level Basically For half a year they take you under the wing, teach you some skills, and show you how to be a professional. And for the other half of a the year, they put you out in the professional world via internship uh, and let you rub elbows with some people that can really uh, set your life on a different trajectory. And again, I dumbed it down completely just because I don't feel like going into the, specific, the specifics of it right now. But that was the gist of the program. Um, I applied, applied for it, got into it, uh, told him about it. You know, my mom told him about it or something, but through the, through the powers that be, uh, he, he was made privy to it. He got in as well. And it was a great time, man. Uh, some of the best, some great memories of my life within those six months. Um, cause it was like school. We were, we were, it was like school, but we were getting paid, but it was like school. We had to be there five days a week, you know, rubbing elbows with everybody. It was like school. It was kind of like college. It was vocational school or something, you know, and it was cool, man. It was great. I learned a lot in those years. Like I said, this guy's, you know, legitimately like the big brother I never had, man. Ex- took me under his wing, exposed me to a lot of shit I'd never been exposed to, taught me a lot of shit. I ne- you know, I just, just seen a lot of shit, not necessarily taught, but just put me in the mixture and exposed me to shit I've never been around before and then helped me navigate. And uh, it was like I said, it was, it was a great time. It was a great time. Made some other friends in there, some other guys, some other uh, guys, stars, man. Some other guys, they're, they're still, they're doing well too to this day. Stars, man. Like I said, stars. This program, uh, I really should plug the program, honestly. It's called Year Up. Should plug the programs. Phenomenal program. Absolutely phenomenal program. Don't know what it's turned into because this was a long time ago when I went. This was, I mean, I'm 30 years old. So when I did this, when I went to this thing, I was maybe 18. This was maybe 12 years ago So I don't know what the program's evolved into since then But Great program And um We just forked You know I, I tanked out I tanked out a week, a week before We were supposed to go do our professional internships Um I tanked out Tanked out uh, Man fuck it I'll get candid Um uh, I was about, yeah, I'm going to say 17, 18 or something like that, man. And uh, me, 
two of my good two of my good friends. Uh, there was a club we used to frequent at the time in Baltimore, and clubs closed down now. You'll never find it. It was called Bourbon Street. You'll never find it because uh, it was a hotbed for underage drinking. It's hotbed. It's called, had every Thursday they had it was called College Night, and uh, it was the the easiest easiest effective. Wow. Uh, the only person, my phone is ringing. The only person who's listening to this broadcast that'll probably understand what I'm about to say will find this funny. Uh, this nigga, Allison, Jerome Allison is calling me right now. <laughs> I should answer the phone. I should answer this on a hot mic and, uh, see what he has to say, but just don't feel like it, man. That's a, that's a stacks move. It's a stacks move. I'm not really feeling like stacks today. So back to what I was talking about, man. Bourbon Street. College night, very easy to drink. All you needed was a red cup, I think. That's how, that's how they signified who was above 21 and who wasn't. A red solo cup that you can buy at home. Uh, and that's how they went by. They didn't card anybody. If you had a red cup, they assumed you were old enough to drink. So they let you go. Uh, us, of course, I mean, we... We pull up, you know, we're getting we're getting greased on the way there. Uh getting greased a bit in the parking lot. We go in there. Of course we're getting greased in there. Uh, you know, all you need to know is know somebody that's a little older and get you a red cup. So, you know, we're getting greased in there. Um, we're having a night. I mean, I look back on it too, and it's you know, it was just a forced play. It was a forced play by me. I was eighteen, I was spiraling. You know, all of my other cohorts were either in college or community college. Everybody was kind of doing their thing. You know, social, the Internet age had really just picked up. So on socials, I'm seeing everybody I knew go through this college experience and stuff while I'm kind of floundering with a thumb up my ass. Uh, I just had a lot of complex emotions at the time, man. A lot of complex emotions. It was real alone. Felt real alone, man. Kind of felt felt like a one-man show. Uh just because of some things that have been going down at the time, you know, not even to get too specific, but I just, just wasn't really in a great headspace. And I decided a night out at good old bourbon street on Thursday, uh, would get me in a better one, you know, night out with the boys, night out with my homies. Uh, you know, this will get me, this will get me going. I had just been, I had found out what my internship was before everybody else, a week before everybody else found out their internships. I was specifically told mine for no better reason then they felt like I could get a job. Felt like I would be able to secure a position at this company. And that's why we want to send you there. And that's why we're telling you early because you need to get prepared. It's going to be somewhere different. It's going to be a thing. You know what I mean? It was, it was, it was a lot of moving parts to it. But, I mean, it sounded good. It sounded good. And a, a smarter version of me would have took that as the moment to lock in and uh, really put a seatbelt on and look into making something of yourself. But unfortunately, mentally, that just, uh, it wasn't where I was at mentally. Uh, I think I had some female problems at the time. I'd fell out, you know, I had fell out with somebody. Um, I was messing with somebody. I might even have got cut off <laughs> and, you know, my brothers know what that feels like. I can't name a nigga that like me and cut off, uh, especially when you're not really doing that well. Uh, staying with my pops at the time. 
wasn't seeing too many of my friends. I had just moved across town to go to this place. I had to stay at my pop's house, so I didn't really, wasn't really hanging out with too many people or anybody for that matter. I was just kind of, you know, in my own world. Uh, but to circle back to what we're talking about, um, you know, we went to the club. It was cool. I, I, that's the funny thing. I look, I think about it now. Can't even remember the night we had. Can't even remember. Don't remember if we had a good time or a bad time. I don't know. It must have been a good time because we were exhausted. Uh, I don't remember, man. I just remember we went. We're going back to the whip, and uh, my boy. I mean, we're we're not necessarily fucked up. We've been drinking. We're more tired than drunk. You know, we're not necessarily hit. Nobody's stumbling. Nobody's hit. It's just it's just been a long full night. You know what I mean? Is that's the best way I can describe it? It's just been a long full night. And uh, one thing I'll never forget, man. He asked me, he "said you want?" He said, "Let me drive, man. Let me drive." Again, we're eighteen. Uh, my other mother, you know, without getting too descriptive, the other guy, the other man that was with us, uh, he wasn't driving yet. I had just started driving, got my first car and stuff, just started. And my boy, he had been driving. He was the one, he was driving. I think at like sixteen. He was the one driving before all of us. Uh, I mean, he was a terrible driver, but he he had more experience than me. He's a terrible driver, but he had more experience than me. And I, I guess that was one of the things I went back with for the longest time. Like, should I have just given him the keys? Part of the reason I didn't give him the keys, I knew he was a better, had been driving more than me, but I just knew I was a better driver. I was like, I've been in a car with you, man. You're a dangerous driver. You're a dangerous driver. I don't want you to tear my shit up. I don't know if I trust you. So I said, no, nah, I got it. Uh, and at the time, I was driving a 1997 Honda Accord coupe. Uh, I had fucked the door up on it, man. I had fucked this car up. I had fucked the door up on it. I had blown. I had blown. I thought I blew a speaker, but then the speaker started working again, and then the whole system went down. The whole system, the whole sound system, just stopped working. And this is in like January, so it's cold as shit outside, and uh, the sound system stopped working. So uh, we're driving back home. We're driving home from Baltimore, from Baltimore to the crib. It's like a uh, probably about a thirty minute drive, something like that. We're driving back. Uh, we uh, turn the heat on because it's hot. So we're now driving back home in a car. Uh, my man in the back, he goes to sleep immediately. As soon as he hits, as soon as he gets in the car, he gets in the back, goes to sleep immediately, passes out. So I'm driving, and it's just just me and my man. We're the only ones awake. Uh, the heat is blasting. There's no music playing, and we're kind of talking a little bit, but he's going out. He's dozing off. He's going out. Before long, it's just me. Uh, I'm the only person awake in the car. Just me, and uh. I mean, you can you can guess how it goes. Uh, I just just a fucking rookie, man. Uh, just a fucking just a fucking rookie. Didn't have the wherewithal to realize that I was exa- I was in a car full of people that are asleep, and I was tired myself. And I should have stopped the car, took a lap, uh, something. You know, all the shit you know now. But at eighteen years old, you think, man, fuck it, I'll make it. And um, I mean, uh, I blinked. We're on the highway. I blinked. We're on a residential road. Uh, I blinked again and we were in the air. Uh, I, and it, it just <laughs> gets 
gets way progressively worse uh, from there. Uh, I mean, I'm not even going to go into the specifics more so. A long, long, long story short, man. Long story short, the aftermath of that night, uh, I got one homie fighting for his life. Myself uh, fighting the case, looking, staring down eight years for potential vehicular manslaughter. Uh, and ironically, I mean, I say all that to say that all happened a week before I was supposed to go on my internship at this amazing place that I was just telling y'all about. And, you know, not only now have I, you know, forever altered my good man, you know, my good man, and especially at the time, you know, I mean, we subsequently fell out now over something. That's the irony, man. We came through that shit. We came through that stronger than ever. Me and you know he he you know by the grace of the Lord at the, you know later on he made a full recovery and at the time we came out of that shit stronger than ever, um, only to fall out six seven years later over totally unrelated shit. But you know just the state where I was at at the time I got you know one of my best friends uh, in a coma in a fucking coma man. Police staring down at me. Just waiting, you know. It's all a play-by-play, waiting to see what see what happens. That American justice system is heartless, man. I'm gonna fucking tell you. I remember looking at that commissioner. They they booked me for eight hours. I remember looking at that commissioner. You know, eighteen, man. Best got my best friend laid out in the, one of my best friends laid out in the fucking hospital. I'm a fucking wreck. Tears tears in my eyes. You know, I got my fucked up club fit on and shit. I'm a total wreck. I look up at this white woman and I ask her, I say, man, I say, am I, I say, I'm about to go to jail. This bitch don't even blink. Don't even blink. Looks at me, looks down, looks at me. So mm, depends if the kid dies or not. Uh, next. I said, <laughs> I said, Christ, man. The, it depends if the kid, this guy, one of my best friends on the fucking planet. He talked about it. So cavalier. <sighs> But I paint all that picture to say, man, it just just derailed me completely at from uh, what I was doing at the time. You know, bro, I just I just broke completely. You know, the program, uh, the friends I made in the program, things that it just all went on without me. Uh, I did end up finishing, you know, that, and that's, you know, that's an uninteresting story. But the point is that 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 break that happened, that was where the fork happened. That's kind of where. That's kind of where my brother went right and I went left. And not only did my brother go right, all the contacts and friends and everything that I made when I was in this program, they all went right too, and I went left. You know, and I just, and, it, and looking back on it too, I mean, I guess I never really fighted to try and go right. I never really tried to fight to turn it back around. I just went left. You know what I mean? You know what I mean? The next, you know, I mean, you can imagine the next, you know, my... My life, you know, my boy's life was forever altered. My life was forever altered. Uh, shit, nothing was ever the fucking same. And when I look at those guys now, you know, my brother and, you know, the mother guy, when I look at those guys now, it's hard not to look at. It's, it's hard not to see all the success that they're having and how they're just, you know, out here just fucking. I mean, just doing it, man. Young black men just really it's really getting to it. You understand? Like, really getting to it. 
it's hard to be around to talk to look at them and then not feel disappointed in myself. It's hard not to look for me not to look in the mirror and feel fucked up because it's like, bro, like that was your opportunity as well in a sense that like, you know, you could have grown with them. Not even necessarily to say, oh, I could have had what they have or not. Like I said, this isn't a materialistic thing. I don't mean it in that way. I just mean in a sense of I would have had the opportunity to continue growing with them. You know what I mean? The things they've learned, the stuff they've, you know, they would have been contacts. They would have been people I could refer to that may have been able to help me along the way. Or, you know what I mean? It's just, you know what I mean? You get into the what if game and it's a slippery slope, but it's just one of them things where I know shit could have, things could have been different for myself. If I didn't just have such a pattern of being a fuck up, man, just a soft fuck up. And that's the worst part. I'm a, I'm a soft fuck up. Everybody knows the straight up fuck ups. The guys that just, they fuck up. And you're just like, man, what in God's name were you thinking? And even those guys, I can have some sympathy for because it happens so fast. You know, they fuck up. It happens fast. And then they got to figure it out. Are they going to bounce back? What are you going to do? It happens so fast. But me, I'm like a soft fuck up. I do everything right to get to the rim and then airball the layup. And it's like, you know what I mean? It's like, do you, do you give him another? You know, what do you do with that? What do you do? You broke the defender down. You ran the offense. You broke the defender down. You know, you even 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 kicked the ball off and hit him with a little backdoor cut. I mean, everything was looking so good. And then when it was time for you to catch the ball and finish, you just couldn't do it. Just couldn't do it. That's the history of my life, man. Great play setups. Terrible finishing. Terrible finishing. I look back on my life and I, I I don't think there's a single thing in this world I've ever done right the first time. Or even the second time. I'm like a motherfucker, you gotta give three or four chances. And it's it's crazy, man. It's crazy. I know a lot of people look at me, look at things I'm doing, or see the things I have. And you make some, you make a lot of assumptions about me. It's very easy to make assumptions about me. I'm sure people close to me make assumptions about me. I fell out with aforementioned man uh, because he was making assumptions about me, making assumptions about my life and what I have and how things work. And he was getting angry because of those assumptions, and it brought us to a crescendo. And we kind of, you know, over something, something very petty, over the most petty and incandescent amount of money. Um, we had to completely fall out over because of the assumptions that he was making about my life. Because at the end of the day, it's easy to look at me and think I'm I'm flying, but I'm not. I'm not flying at all. I'm not even gliding. I'm falling with style. <laughs> I mean, I'll get candid right now. I'm I'm opening up on this mic. I'll get candid. I'm falling with style, man. I am. Buzz fucking light year. I don't feel like I've been going up or really progressing on my own merits or by myself, you know, at all. I mean, the story of me is a stimulus. You know, I've just been from different ways and different packages, man. It's just been government funding. <laughs> I'm a government funded institution You know 
That's kind of how you know how, how those government fund how how in those entities that receive government funding work. I feel similar to that in a sense where it's like you know that the overwhelming amount of help it took for me to get where I'm at now. You know, after what I remember, my father used to tell me, man, most everybody in this world usually gets one or two chances to make something out of themselves. They don't. They always get one. Everybody in this world typically always typically will get one chance to make something of themselves. Sometimes some people get two. Uh, do y'all know I'm currently on my third? Currently on my third. I blew the first one sky high. Blew the second one sky high, and even on this third one, I uh, I I did everything I could to try and blow it sky high. But just you know, between having a, a present father and you know some last snap, some snap second maturity, uh, I was managed to to right the ship. But I mean, dude, I mean, even you know, like I said, I'm on my I'm on my third chance, and even I almost botched that up. It was an hour late to my fucking interview. <laughs> fucking hour. I took two ninety five from my DMVers. I took two ninety five. Uh, I was supposed to be at the interview at ten o'clock, maybe nine o'clock. Two ninety going on two ninety five was forty minutes away from where I was currently staying. So I decided oh, forty minutes. So I'll leave at eight twenty. So at eight twenty. Uh, I got on 295 to head down to the heart of D.C. for a job interview. I was supposed to be at at 9. I mean, shit like that. Saw fuck-ups. Saw fuck-ups. <laughs> you know? Saw fuck-ups. But, I mean, I, one thing I'm not going to sit here and do on a microphone or in life is ever pity myself or feel sorry for myself. You know what I mean? I'm here because of my decisions. I'm here because of things that I did, choices I made, uh, and and more so over. You know, I'm not going to sit here. And, there's there's so many people that aren't even blessed uh, with second chances. So many people in this world aren't blessed with a chance to try again, a chance to do it again, a chance to you know swing, take another swing. So I can't sit here on this mic. No matter how fucked up I feel about myself, I can never part my lips and complain to somebody else. Um, because I believe in no matter how bad I may feel inside about stuff, I believe in appreciating your station in life. I believe nothing good ever comes from uh, shitting on the things that you do have. Nothing good will ever come from that. You got to appreciate your station in life, no matter what it is, because you don't know how many events, the, the culmination of events that it took to get you right where you're at right now. You know, my story ain't over yet. There's still pages being written. You know, there's still more to come and there's, you know what I mean? And that's how time works. I still don't know where it's all ultimately going to land. You know, everything that I've been through up to this point may have happened to set the stage for the things that are going to come next, you know, but they haven't came yet. So it's easy to feel fucked up. It's easy to feel fucked up when you're watching a movie uh, and it's been put, you know, it's, it hasn't gotten to the next year. You're watching the series and now the series is on hiatus for the next four weeks. It's easy to feel fucked up. It's easy to look at what you have and start feeling differently. And that's what you can never do. Because so much shit had to go right, had to go wrong, 
had to go, had to blow up just for you to be where you're at right now. Doing what you're doing right now. Having the things you have right now. So much had to go. So much had to happen. It's like a perfect storm. So much had to happen. When you look at your past, the stuff that you did do that went wrong, the stuff that you didn't do that you thought could have went right. No matter how you slice it, it all had to go exactly the way it went in order for you to end up where you're at right now. So um, please, please don't uh, listen to this. I know this is a different episode. This is a different temperature for the Stacks Lowry podcast, but it's still a positive one. Um, You know, I'm not on this microphone crying and feeling sorry about the road I didn't, not even the road that I didn't take, the road that I blew up, the road that I blew the fuck up with my own stupid actions. My own stupidity. Not feeling sorry for myself here, man. Just opening up. Just putting it out on wax. Just talking through some shit, man. It's just the thing, man. When you see somebody, you know, that took a lane that you were supposed to take but blew yourself up out of it, it's hard not to feel fucked up. Not jealous, not envious. You know what I'm saying? I'm happy. Everything they got, I'm happy for. I love it. I love it. I love that I got to see these motherfuckers, especially that I got the chance to see where they started, you know, and see where they're at now. It's crazy. It's like a movie. But there's that that guy in the back of your head, that guy in your mind that's like, hmm, yeah. You fucked that up for yourself. <laughs> Who knows? You could have been doing something like that. You know why you're not? Because of you. Because <laughs> of you. It's disheartening, man. It's disappointing. It's, when you hold yourself to a certain type of standard, it's disheartening when you let yourself down. You know, or when you see you have this idea of yourself in your head and then something happens and you're humbled. And the reality of yourself is kind of brought to your face. It's 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 humbling. It's a humbling experience. It's a very humbling experience, man. I can't I can't really put it into words, but um, it's a very humbling experience because uh, I'm not people that know me, people that know me now, people that have just met me. They would say I'm married. They say that guy Jordan. That's kind of an arrogant dude, isn't he? But anybody that knows me, you know, I'm not. Ironically, my arrogance is manufactured. It was, it was, it was almost a defense mechanism that constructed it. I, I constructed around me grow, as I came of age to kind of mask the fact that I feel the opposite. The fact that you know, coming up, I was never a guy that was very confident in himself. Uh, was never, you know. I mean, it's almost like I try to make up for them years. I, I you know, I grew up hating myself. Honestly, I grew up hating the way I looked. Uh, hating the way I sounded, uh, you know, it, it was. I was tall. I was tall. I was always taller than everybody else, and I hated that. I felt awkward as shit all the time. I mean, I'll be honest. Even to this day, being tall, being tall is great. It's amazing. I'd be tall over short any fucking day. But I will say, there is a lot of awkward shit that come with being tall, like being in the club, 
You tall in the club. You better be having. You better have some bitches around you, or you better be having fun, or you better be. You know, you better. You better if you're tall in the club and in the mixture, you better be doing something because you look weird. I don't know. I love to talk to other. I, I love to get my boy Salt or some other tall guys on here and talk about. I've always felt weird at the club, uh, being just because. I'm a stand. I'm never. I don't go to the club that often. And when I do, even the time I do go to the club, I'm a chill. I'm like, I like to chill. You know, I like to relax. That's why I like to have a section or a bar as a place where I can sit down and just relax. I'm not, you know, I'm not really a, a in the mixture type of dude, unless that's the type of function we're having. I'm, you know, with the boys, we're all live, we're getting active, whatever, you know, whatever. I'm a status quo dude, but for the most part, I like to chill. And you know, now as an older guy, you know, I, I don't have any of those problems. You know, it's a thing of the past. But when I was younger. When I was like 20, 21, 22, I used to be out. I used to feel awkward as fuck because I'm this this awkwardly tall motherfucker that everybody, every not only can everybody see me, you can see I ain't doing nothing. You know how many niggas go to the club and just stand around or don't do nothing all night and then get on fucking social media the next day and say, oh, yeah, club was lit. That was, a, that was great. That was, yeah, you know, I never used to understand that. I used to be like, bro, I was in there with you. It wasn't lit. At, I mean, it was, it, was it lit? Yeah. Were we having a good time though? No, we weren't doing anything. We were standing around. Uh, we bought two overpriced drinks. Uh, I felt like a fucking dinosaur in here because I'm so much taller than everybody, but I'm visibly not doing anything or having that great of a time. So I just look fucking awkward. Uh, I don't know, man. I used to, <laughs> I used to have a lot of fucked up feelings, and it was a long road to get here. And that's what I say. And it takes me back to my point. Be happy for your station, man, because the the culmination of events it took to get here, you know, it's crazy when you really think about it. It's crazy. I never imagined I would be where I'm at right now. You know, with all with all my failures, um, all my fuck ups, uh, all my downright just disappointments that. You know, there's nobody else to blame but myself for all of that. Um, I can still look in the mirror at 30 and say that I've I've became everything I wanted to become. You know, at when I was, you know, a younger kid, uh, 13, 14, you know, younger guy, really starting to understand his station in the world. You know, just like I said, hated everything about myself, top to fucking bottom. For that kid to uh turn into what i am today that's nothing short of a blessing it's nothing short of a blessing to be able to honest be honest with yourself and say you know i became everything i ever wanted to become but it also opens up uh you know the other side of that it also shows the other side of that coin where if at this age you can say you've became everything you want to become but you know you still find yourself um disappointed in the things you do Disappointed in yourself for the things you do or don't do, and the and it, the the fact that you know it's now time to essentially have new aspirations and new goals. You know, new you got to set some new goals and go in some new directions, and you got to find some more more than anything. You got to find new motivations. You know. Because everything is a two-sided coin. You know, there's the one side where you say, where it's kind of like, man, that's amazing. You know, you know, you became everything you wanted to be. Congratulations. Like, you know, there's people that dream of doing that. 
You know, but then there's the other side of the coin where it's like, damn, bro, at 30 years old, you became everything you wanted to be. What the fuck did you want to be? Uh, how unambitious was that? <laughs> you know, you can look at your look around you're like this is this this is everything you ever thought you would be. How unambitious was that? How how unambitious were your goals um, that you were able to accomplish the bulk, the lion's share of them in you know 10, 15 years, you know, or something short like that? How how big of a thinker were you? And the truth is, I wasn't that big of a thinker because I didn't know what was important because I was I wasn't even able to focus on the bigger picture of things because I was still tripped up at the I'm still tripping on the smaller picture, man. I was still tripping on the smaller picture. Still tripping on the small problems I had. You know, I, I couldn't even I couldn't even grow to like myself, much less put together a plan. You know, I just used to fantasize about being somebody else. <laughs> I just used to fantasize about what it would be like to be somebody else. Until I had enough life experience, until I went through enough and grew enough to understand who I really was and be who I really was. That's a hard thing in life, man. I think we all really know who we really are. All of us. Everybody always says, I got to find myself. You know, you, you know who you are. The way you feel while you do things, it, it'll tell you who you are. I've done so many things in this life that I knew weren't me. I knew this wasn't me. I could tell by the way I felt doing it. This wasn't me, but it's who I wanted to be or it's who I thought I wanted to be. It's what I thought I wanted. So I still did it anyway. So I went against that. It takes a lot of courage to be who you really are. Especially when you feel like who you really are ain't enough to get it done. You know, and I think that's what a lot of us go through. A lot of us kind of fight. We have that internal battle between who we want to be and who we really are. And it's the hardest battle you ever fight in life because, I mean, really, really peel the layers back on that statement. Who am I supposed to be? Who I feel I really am? Or who I feel I would really want to be? Do you, do you, do you strive to be who you want to be? Or do you strive to be who you feel you actually are? Because oftentimes they're going different directions. Who you are and who you want to be are rarely ever the same person. They, you know, they, 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 they may have things in common, but who you are and who you want to be rarely share the, the intricacies. You know, you guys may, it may be fundamentally the same, but the deep, the devil's in the details, the intricacies of it. Pull you in all different types of directions And have you thinking you want to do something Until you get the opportunity to do it And then you realize you don't And then you have to ask yourself Is this me Is this me backing down From breaking my comfort zone And pushing towards That person I want to be Or is this the real me Kind of sounding the alarm Like bro this is not us This isn't what we do uh, This isn't how we roll And you know you know, panic button. Something's wrong. You know? Are you supposed to strive to be who you feel you're supposed to? 
Or are you supposed to be who you feel you are? Because sometimes being who you are feels like just falling into a comfort zone. That's the shitty part about being yourself is that sometimes being yourself feels like taking the easy. Now, sometimes being yourself uh, is challenging. It's, it's very challenging. But there are times when being yourself feels like taking the easy way out. And you have to ask, am I just backing down from breaking my comfort zone or is this not the type of person I am? Am I, am I stunting my growth or am I being true to myself? And there's nobody that can answer these questions for you, but you. You can go to all the therapy in the world. There's nobody who can look you in the face and tell you, you know, unless, of course, you're you're really out there, you know, just blatantly kind of going against what you are. But there's, if we're just being transparent on a person-to-person basis, there's nobody that can really sit and tell you whether or not you need to push to be this person you feel you're supposed to be or... You need to push the opposite direction and be this person that you uh, you really are. Comfortability is dangerous, man, because you don't you don't know if you're being your best self or your worst self. You know, you settle in the routines and you get comfortable. And the fact of life is you don't really know if I'm being my best self or I'm being my worst self right now. Everybody will tell you, you know. Content, being content and comfortable is the enemy of the human condition. It's the enemy of progression. It's the enemy of fulfillment. Um, you'll never get anything done if you're always content and comfortable. But if that's the case, why does every human being alive strive for content and comfortable? And the ones that don't is because they only feel content and comfortable when they're busy or when they're uncontent. You know what I'm saying? Even it, even if when you're uncontent is the only time you feel comfortable, you're still striving towards something. You're still reaching for some sort of normalcy. So what is it? Are we supposed to continue to fight to establish comfort zones within our life? Or are we supposed to break these comfort zones within our life? Is it a good thing to feel comfortable or is it a bad thing to be comfortable? And who the fuck can give you these answers? Who the fuck can give you these answers? It's, you know, a constant thing. I think, I think, uh, I think everybody, you know, maybe not my experience itself, but I feel like everybody can kind of take a slice from that in a sense of, uh, you know, who, who are we supposed to be and who are we supposed to strive to be, you know, especially on them days we're being, especially on them days like today, you know what I mean? We're, we're being your best self just ain't possible, man. You know, them days where you just know, man, I'm not, you know, I'm not going to be the best version. I can't be the best version of me today for no better reason than, you know, 
it was how I opened my eyes. You know, when I woke up, I just knew wasn't wasn't going to be wasn't going to be the day I was able to be my best self. But you know, I guess uh, you got to keep trying. You know, like I said here on the Stacks Larry podcast, man, it's a very different episode, but still the same same message of positivity, prosperity, and laughs, man. And laughs, you know, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta laugh, man. I can, uh, I can tease, uh, some future episodes we got, but, uh, you know, I got a segment. I want to talk about this post COVID society, uh, how everything fucking sucks. <laughs> uh, VA drivers versus Maryland drivers, uh, some young coming of age stuff. Uh, I mean, next time I get in the studio with Flynn, we got a great, more upbeat show for you. Don't mean to bum anybody out. Uh, just wanted to, I guess, talk through some of the shit that's on my mind today. Like I said, it's just just heavy on my mind today. Feeling very reflective, I guess, today. You know, that's always the first place I go. That's the, like I said, I feel like everybody's always eager to point fingers. Everybody is always eager to blame somebody for the way they feel. <laughs> You know, people, people are always so eager to point a finger and blame somebody else for how they feel. When it's like, man, you got to look at yourself before you look at anybody. I don't give a fuck what somebody did to you, what somebody said to you, what happened to you. You got to look at yourself first. You got to look at yourself first. And every now and then you will find you know, maybe it wasn't you. Every now and then you look at yourself and you look up and down, left and right, every angle you can see. And it's like, man, I just, I don't see what I did here. And it, and then in those cases, it really may be somebody else. But more often than not, no matter what transpired in your life, no matter what's happening in your life, no matter how you're feeling right now, more often than not, you do a little self-reflection and you're honest with yourself. There's some things you could have did differently. There's some decisions you could have made differently. There's some things you could have said differently or not said. There's always something more often than not. There's exceptions to every rule, but more often than not, I believe in the, at the center of any conflict, emotion, there's always something you could have done differently to get a different outcome. So I guess that's the thought I'll leave you guys on Self-reflection Do as much of it as you can Take a double scoop of it And it'll bum me out sometimes Trust me It's one of my problems I would argue I may be too self-reflective I think myself into a stupor But you gotta be self-reflective You can't go through life Never looking at yourself you know, multiple people are telling you something about yourself. You need to look at it. You need to you need to look at yourself. You need to constantly be looking at yourself. You need to constantly be evaluating yourself. And furthermore, you need to constantly be challenging yourself. That's the only way you grow, man. It's the only way you grow. If you never want to admit your deficiencies and just at least make an effort to change them, whether you're successful or not. And I think that's what people get caught up on. People get caught up on results. 
And when it comes to certain things in this life, results aren't what's important. It's the work that is. It doesn't matter if you actually ever become a better person. If you're constantly putting the work in to be one, it's all that matters. You know? People get caught up in results, but in this life, there are a lot of things that the results aren't necessarily what matters. It's the work. It's the work that matters. If you're willing to put that work in to be that person every single day of your life, you don't need to worry about if you've become that. You know, you don't need to worry about the results. It doesn't matter because you're working. There's a there's a comfort you can find in the work, whatever, whatever that be, you know, yourself as a person, your job, uh, your goals, anything you have going on in life. I challenge you. Stop thinking about the results. Stop thinking about what you're going to do when you've lost all that weight or what you're going to do when you get that car and that house, you know, or what you're going to do when you finally got that. Relationship. Stop. Stop thinking about the results. Start thinking about the work. Stacks Larry Podcast. Cause I can't-